welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high achieving, goal oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 236, Sober in Napa and Creating Space. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to tell you about my mini trip to the Napa Valley and about creating space in your life, especially while you're cutting back on drinking, to decide what you want to do. So the first part is going to be sharing with you my experience in Napa. And it was amazing. So I had um, I went up there with my girlfriend Jen, and we decided to go to Calistoga, which is on the northern tip of the Napa Valley. And Calistoga is known for its hot springs and like volcanic ash mud baths and things like that. So and wineries, of course. So I have been there many, many times. I'm sure you've heard me tell you all that I got married in a winery <laughs> to my husband Pete 14 years ago in Sonoma. And when we lived in San Francisco, we would go up to wine country all the time. We had subscriptions to wine club memberships and we would just pop up there for the day. And, you know, we hosted a lot of wine tastings and went with friends there and vacation there and all sorts of stuff. Lots of girls trips there, all of it. And we were very immersed into that culture. And so I was really excited to go back to the area that I have a big attachment to and not drink and see what that experience was like. And it was really fun. I mean, there was, I can't say that there was anything bad about it. It was fascinating to me though, to notice like the marketing <laughs> and how everything, the whole industry and all the money that is supported by wine culture and drinking wine. Um, as I've learned so much about wine culture and marketing and things like that in the alcohol industry, um, I just have a whole different perspective on the whole thing. So it's absolutely beautiful. So we're, you know, we're driving up through the valley and there's all these beautiful rolling hills. Um, if you've never been there, it's like farmland, but it's like the most beautiful farmland. So like you know, rolling green hills of vineyards with big estates on them, you know, big, beautiful um, estates with buildings and everything is very designed and beautiful. And you see like the mountains in the background and golden rolling hills of California. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And there's the Napa Valley wine train that you drive past when you're driving up um, the main stretch of Napa. And on the Napa Valley wine train, you know, like I've looked into, into doing that years ago, but it's basically like, you know, wine tasting experience and food and, you know, it's fancy and all the things. And the train was just happened to be driving as we were driving up the road. And we're like, oh, there's the Napa Valley wine train. I'm like, oh, there's the welcome to Napa Valley region sign. And like, it was just very nostalgic. 
and beautiful. And I was with a really good friend. And so our conversation was great. And, but you know, like as I'm going into it, I also said out loud to my friend, I'm like, you know, it's just really interesting that like all of this presentation of this area is to a drug. I mean, alcohol is a drug just as a reminder to everybody, <laughs> right? It, it's a drug that changes the way we operate, right? As humans, like it changes our senses. It inebriates us. It reduces our inhibitions. It makes us feel buzz. Like we feel differently when we take it. And it's the only drug that is so glamorized, right? Because there's so much money into this drug and it's legal and people make livings off of it and whole industry, it's a whole industry, right? And, and for the U S this is like the epitome of that industry is this region in Northern California. And it makes it very confusing for people, right? They see this beautiful, glamorous, luxurious area and all these beautiful wineries and this landscape and these beautiful people. Like every, we stopped in um, St. Helena and walked around downtown on the way to our spa that we were staying at, the Calistoga Spa and Hot Springs. And we were shopping in the little downtown area. And like we were dressed up, you know, <laughs> we were wearing long, beautiful, flowing summer dresses. And like all the women were wearing the same and it was beautiful and everything was expensive. And, you know, it markets to a certain audience. And I think it's, I don't know, it's interesting to note what that does to people, though. The people who overdrink it. It's not beautiful and glamorous all the time, right? And a lot of people have problems with it. And I also think it's interesting that this area is a tourist destination where you're invited to come wine tasting in your car. <laughs> like we, it promotes people to drink and drive. And that's very dangerous, obviously, right? Um, anyway, it just, it was interesting for me to go up there and I had those thoughts as I was entering and we talked about it a little bit, but you know, like I wasn't mad about it and I wasn't like, this sucks and we need to end the wine industry and any of that stuff. Like, I don't feel like that way at all. I think it's just interesting to have a new perspective as I'm going in there and actually supporting the industry. I mean, we stayed at a, a spa and we went out for dinner and we shopped and we spent money there. You know, we, we contributed to that industry and I was actually happy to, you know, I had a glass of non-alcoholic, um, sparkling wine at dinner and it was amazing. And I was really actually happy to see that the area and California is very, you know, on trend, you know, so I wasn't really that surprised that there was a lot of non-alcoholic options. And we didn't go to any vineyards, but I actually wanted to research some of them to see if like you could do a non-alcoholic tasting or what that would be like, right? And I didn't do it this time, but I definitely want to go back and actually probably lead a retreat up there. Um, I love immersing myself into drinking culture and not drinking. Like, I think it's super fun. Like, it's a fun experiment for me to like go and like have the best time without drinking alcohol, you know? So I'm leading... I don't know if you heard about this or not, but I'm leaving, leading a sober retreat to Cancun 
at an all-inclusive adults-only resort. And I'm really excited about that too, because I think people are scared that when they change their relationship with alcohol, that all of the fun things that they love to do and their identity and all that is going to change and all the fun is going to end. And I am literally out here to prove that that is not the case. <laughs> like your life becomes better. You become more alive. You become more aware. You have more fun. And I do realize that I am five years out of drinking. And so I don't have urges to drink. Like I don't worry about putting myself in these situations and that I'm going to drink. I go into it. I'm like, Ooh, how can I have the best time and be fully myself and alive and awake and do the things that I want to do in this environment? That's how I approach it. And that has been very supportive and helpful for me on my journey. That's how I started my journey to stop over drinking. I went in at the very beginning. I'm like, I'm still going to have the most fun. I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to change who I am, (laughs) you know? So that was the approach that I took going into Napa, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. I mean, it's gorgeous up there and there's a lot of things to do without drinking alcohol. So anyway, um, I just want to say like, I'm not anti wine region. I'm not anti any of this stuff. I just think now that I've gone back with a different perspective in how the wine culture markets to women um, and how glamorizing it is. And I see that very clearly now, right? Before I didn't, I just was into it. You know, I was like, this is amazing. I'm so fancy. This is beautiful. You know, like this is a hobby that I have, like all that stuff. And now I see the full picture of it, right? It's a money-making machine. (laughs) It employs thousands of people. You know, these vineyards and wineries make tons of money and people come up there and enjoy themselves and and spend money and buy money around alcohol. So anyway, that was one part of it that I thought I would share with you that was interesting for me um, to just see the bigger picture. And I had an amazing time. So we came in, we went shopping in St. Helena and then we checked in at our spa, Indian, um, Indian River is where we had a... Um, volcanic ash mud bath and I don't know if you've ever had one of those before but basically you go in and you have to get completely naked (laughs) and you have an attendant like I went in with my friends so we like had to get naked in front of each other and then they help you get settled into literally a bathtub filled with mud and then they cover you up with mud so you have like it's not it feels kind of like a weighted blanket on you and it's very warm and you sit in that Um, and they put some on your face and like you sit in that and immerse yourself in there for like 10 or 15 minutes and then you get out and then you shower and like wash it all off and stuff. And then you go in and sit in another, it's all like mineral springs, water, um, natural water from the area. And then we went into another bath and soaked and another mineral type bath and soaked for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. And then you go into like this resting room and, it's like a cooling room. It's all very warm. And then it's a private like little bed and you just like have a cucumbers on your eyelids and a cool wrap around your face and you just sit there and relax or lay down there and relax and cool off. And really it's kind of like a meditative experience. So that was amazing. And then we checked into our hotel at the Calistoga Hot Springs and Resort. And I've been to that one many times. I've had mud baths there. I've stayed there before. I've enjoyed their pools. I have three outdoor pools that are all mineral springs. And they're heated in different um, temperatures. 
It is absolutely lovely. So we checked in there and then um, we went out for dinner at Lavina, which is a delicious, tiny little boutique restaurant um, in downtown Calistoga. They had a lovely um, non-alcoholic drink menu. I was pretty surprised by it. Um, they had a non-alcoholic sparkling wine and I, they let me taste it before I ordered a glass, which I love so much. That was one thing, like when I was really into wine, like I really liked like tasting it and making sure I really liked it. I liked like the experience of it and like the specialness of it. And, um, you know, I was into it. So I'm like, I don't want a full glass of something that I don't know that I'm going to like. So like I would always ask to taste something and I never have had an experience with a non-alcoholic drink or, or a wine or a replacement where they're like, would you like to try that before you commit to it? And I'm like, yes, I would. So it made, you know, they were very supportive and welcoming of people who didn't drink. And my friend wasn't drinking either. And they had like amazing Italian sodas and she got like this pomegranate Italian soda and it was beautiful and pink. And I had my non-alcoholic champagne and they you know we dressed up and like it was amazing um and then after that we went back to the hotel and we did the pools until it got dark and we saw the sky and the stars and the sunset and the whole thing was just absolutely beautiful and amazing and i loved every single second of it it was so good our conversation was amazing um and then in the morning we woke up and we spent the whole day at the pool. Like we ended up, we checked out that day, but you can buy a pool pass there for 50 bucks and you can come and go and spend literally all day at the pool. They close at 11 p.m. The pools close at 11 p.m. So we bought the $50 pass and we stayed there all day and we um, walked right across the street to a coffee shop. We went to this little deli who also had um, canned non-alcoholic beers and mocktails and all sorts of stuff. I was like, wow. So I tried a non-alcoholic beer that was made in the area. It's very good. Um, and we just relaxed and enjoyed ourselves. And then on the way home, we went out for a nice dinner and that was my experience. So I had fun. I definitely want to go back and stay longer. We only had one night and one day. So, you know, we just wanted to relax and have fun with each other was the main goal and enjoy those pools. And I feel refreshed and recharged and ready to tackle and enjoy the final weeks of our big family vacation slash experiment <laughs> that we are still on out here in California. We leave next week to drive home and that's going to take about a week as well. So I'm refreshed for that, and it was nice to have a little break um, and reflect on things and all of that. So that was my experience. I definitely want to go back. I'd love to lead a retreat in Northern California in that area to help people go and have the real-time support of somebody who has been there sober, who have been there, who has been there not sober, who has researched all the places, knows the non-alcoholic drinks to have and what experiences to have where y'all can come in and I have to think about that or navigate that or plan that or research that and just everything is taken care of. So I would love to do that probably next fall, maybe, maybe sooner. We'll see. 
But if you're interested in that, <laughs> send me an email and I'll start putting together a list. I have a lot of clients that live in Northern California too, and I think it would be really, really fun to meet up with them in person. I envision sunrise hot air balloon rides, um, luxurious dinners, spa experiences, hiking, and then non-alcoholic wine tasting. Sounds amazing, right? And coaching and working through urges and the feelings of desire and wanting to drink in real time with a professional. I think it's an amazing opportunity to go do the things that you love to do and see what it's like to not drink alcohol and see what you're missing out on. <laughs> I think a lot of times we think that we're missing out when we're not drinking, but you're missing out on so much more when you overdrink. As you all know, and you're getting curious about, right? All right. So that was the Napa Valley experience. And you, I made a little reel about it over on Instagram. You can come look at that, at Coach with Angela Masenic. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you absolutely should. And then that leads me into the second part of this podcast episode where I want to talk about creating space. And a lot of times when people cut back on their alcohol consumption, and in, are intentionally working on that, they have a lot more time because their time isn't filled with filling it in with drinking, okay? <laughs> and you, are, you get aware of when you have this more time and this more awareness about what's going on in your mind and your emotional state, things come up, ideas come up, problems come up, old shit you haven't resolved comes up. And that is an opportunity that is intentionally creating space for you to figure things out. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They're scared of that because they're scared of what might come up for them, what might be revealed to them, the truth about their lives. And this is the thing, y'all. Y'all know what's going on. You're just haven't given yourself the time and space to look at it. Instead, you're choosing to, some of you, not all of you, obviously, Instead, you're choosing to ignore it and escape it through drinking or whatever your thing is. If, if drinking isn't it, it's overworking or keeping your schedules too busy, running around the kids and overbooking yourselves, um, doing things for other people, not giving yourself enough downtime. Like there's, there's ways in which you're avoiding your life. <laughs> Most of you are here about the drinking, right? And so when you're filling your days with drinking, or evenings with drinking, you don't have time. You know, your brain doesn't think about ways you could adjust things or checking in with yourself and like, is this what I actually want to be doing in my life, right? So when you start to take a break, this is very common for these things to come up. A lot of times marriages get evaluated, right? And relationships with your um, family of origin get looked at and evaluated. Work issues, um, where you are in your career get evaluated. All of this stuff is very normal. Your past, anything, any sort of traumas or things that happened to you in your past get bubble up to the surface. It's all very, very common. And I don't want you to be scared of that. If something bubbles up that you need more support on, obviously therapy is great. You know, couples counseling, private coaching with me, all of these things are, you know, good to know that you have resources or options to get additional support, okay? Um, 
But when you allow time to create space, that's actually when things get better. Sometimes you have to be willing to look at this, the hard stuff, things that you haven't been addressing. But once that kind of get figures out and you work through that, then you're going to have time and space to start designing the life that you want to live. Okay. So right now that's what I'm doing in my business. Um, and in my life, I am really, I've really cut back on work. I, I shut down my high touch, um, six month coaching program that ended at the end of June. And right now I just have the monthly alive AF coaching membership and I take on a few private clients and I, you know, host a retreat occasionally. I'm doing that one in Cancun in December, but it's very um, spacious right now for me and my work. And I did that intentionally so that I could, things could settle and I could give myself time and space to figure out some new ideas and to let things come up and um, how I want to move forward in this work that I do to help women stop over drinking. I love creating new things. I love having new ideas. But when you're overworked and you're overscheduled and you have too many plans on your calendar, you don't have time and space to create, <laughs> right? You're just doing and executing. And everybody needs a cycle frequently to allow things to settle and have some spaciousness to figure out what's next. So that's what I'm doing on this trip is this whole time we've been gone, I'm having a very light workload and I'm not sitting down and be like, okay, now I'm going to intentionally think about what's next and what I want to create. That's not what this looks like. It just looks like I'm just having spaciousness. I don't have an agenda for that spaciousness around work. I have a lot of time to think. Um, I have quiet space. I don't have a lot of things booked. And so when I allow myself that kind of space to think about things, anything that comes up, it's not like I have an agenda for like, now I'm going to think about work. It just, obviously, you know how your mind works, right? You're out for a run, you're out for a walk, you're going out to eat, whatever it is that you're doing, things come up in your mind, right? And so when I don't have a packed agenda, the ideas are allowed to come in and they're allowed to be recognized. <laughs> and I know that that works for me, right? It's not even like I need new ideas or anything. It's just, I'm curious to see where this shakes out. I'm curious to see what might come from some spaciousness this summer. That's really all, that's my intention around work. And so I had the same intention, this curiosity, this openness, this kind of like, ooh, I'm excited to find out idea when I took a pause from drinking alcohol. In my very beginning of my journey, I went into it with that sort of idea. I don't know where this is going to lead me, but I'm excited to find out. <laughs> and now I have this booming, successful business where I've helped hundreds of women stop over drinking alcohol and I lead retreats, you know, in-person retreats. And I have this podcast and I have, I developed multiple coaching programs and courses, right? I had no idea that that would happen, but I went into it with this intention of, I'm excited to find out where this goes. 
And then I had all these ideas that came through that spaciousness that I gave myself and gave myself a break from drinking. So I had to stop doing something to allow more room in my mind for ideas to come through and solutions to be created. And so that's why vacation is amazing. Rest is amazing. Not overbooking yourself is amazing to allow y'all to think about things and figure out and to make and to let you become more aware of what it is that you actually want and what feels good for you to do going forward. I hope that makes sense. You have to give yourself space and time. And sometimes it takes a while, right? Like I am almost three weeks into my six month coaching program ending. And I feel like I'm just getting into it. You know, like I'm just sort of like realizing that that's over and I have a lot more spaciousness and I'm like, oh, wow, it goes by really fast and I'm not ready for that to be done yet. I need more time, you know, and I, and I'm just letting myself have the time that I, that I need. And I've set my business up in a way that I can do that. And I know I'm very privileged in that, but it's, you know, five years of hard, dedicated, consistent work and energy has allowed me to do that. And I'm doing it with intention because I want to, not because I need to, because I want to. And so I think when you guys are looking at evaluating your relationship with alcohol, intentionally cutting back, get excited about the spaciousness in your mind that that will create. Because once you get that problem out of the way and your mind isn't occupied about thinking about drinking or pissed off at yourself about drinking or wondering how when you're going to order your next drink after you've had your first drink, like think about how much time and energy, brain energy, that your relationship with alcohol requires. Really think about it. A lot of time. I, when I evaluated this at the very beginning of my journey over five years ago, I'm like, I could have gotten a PhD <laughs> with all of the time that I spent supporting my relationship with alcohol, okay? And once I got past that, I had so much time available to me. That's when I decided to become a coach. That's when I started start, decided to start a podcast. That's when I decided to make my first program. And I did that because I had all of this new, first of all, I felt better. I had more energy. I was more clear on what I wanted to do with my life. And then I made it happen. But I had to remove that obstacle of the thing that was sucking up most of my time. So even if you feel like you have a good hold on your relationship with alcohol right now, maybe you've cut back significantly. I would challenge you to simplify your life a little bit more to cancel things that you're not super excited about, right? Um, simplify your life in some ways. Only do things that it's like a hell yes to. Enlist some help if you can. And give yourself an opportunity to have some spaciousness in your days. To have no plans on a Saturday. To not go out during the week for a week. And be at home in the evenings and see what happens. So many of you, so many of you, I've coached hundreds of you. <laughs> I know your patterns. You overstretch yourself. You keep yourself so busy. 
you do and do and do and do, and then you get exhausted and then you need to drink. So this is also a strategy to help you drink less is to cut back on some of the things that you don't need to be doing. If you're working full time, you know, you need rest and relaxation at the end of the day. I like can't imagine. I mean, I just don't do this in my regular everyday life. And I know I'm just me, but my preference is with, when I'm working and I'm grinding, you know, full time, going out at the end of the day, going out for dinner, being social, like I am done, you know, like that's not good for me. I'm, I would over, I would overextend myself. And I used to do that all the time. I used to go out a lot after work, you know, working all day, going out, booked myself up on the weekends, overextended my travel and weekend trips. And so I was always going, 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 and I would burn myself out. So you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to make anything extreme changes right now. But what if you just cut back a little bit on that stuff and gave yourself some spaciousness to figure out what needs addressed and then figure out what you need to do next. So that's what I wanted to say about that. And if you want to work with me, I can help you through all of this stuff, y'all. Join a live AF. The link is in the show notes. Monthly membership. Come in, do our workshops. Join a live coaching call. Take this the easy to do course. Be intentional about what you want to do, and you're intentional about your relationship with alcohol in a judgment-free zone, where we learn through our failures and our slip-ups and keep moving forward. And then if you want to come with me in person, it's going to be super fun. You should come to Cancun with me in December. So click the link in that to see what that looks like and the details of that. If you have any questions about that retreat, just shoot me an email. Hello at AngelaMasenic.com. And that's what I got for you, my friends. Create space. Know that you can have fun when you change your relationship with alcohol. Use me as an example. And I'll talk to you all next week. Love you. Bye.